Typically, when we gather together, uh, we greet one another. Uh, we're not going to do it in the traditional way. But when we worship, we are here to pay attention to God, pay attention to our neighbor and ourselves. And so I just want you to look around at the people around you. Give them a little uh, wave, uh, uh, a hello, a thumbs up. Uh, you know, all the wonderful gestures of acknowledging each other's presence here. And those of you online, feel free to put something in the chat section as well. We are not just individuals worshiping. We are a community worshiping God together. And so it is a, a delight to see so many wonderful eyes uh, in this uh, place here. So uh, great to have you in this place. If you're new to our congregation, every uh, September, every fall, we have what's called Vision Sunday. And Vision Sunday is our reminder of who we are as a community. It reminds us of the various ways that God has called us to follow him in this world and follow Christ in this world. And I want to unpack a few things for us as I do every uh, single uh, fall. I want to also let you know, for those of you watching, you're probably saying, how do I get in the room where it happens? Um, which is a Hamilton thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, how do I get into the room where it happens? Well, you can register online every week. So on Tuesday, we'll have... Uh, registration form that will be on our website and on social media. It'll go from like Tuesday to Thursday on a first come first serve basis. You can register online and then get in the room and uh, just have a good time with us. We'll be live streaming our services at 1030 and we're going to be doing this minimally for the next uh, today and the next three weeks. And then if there's a good response, like there is right now, just a really wonderful response, we'll continue uh, uh, our uh, in-person services in this new normal that we find ourselves in. Uh, so register online. And the reason we register online, honestly, is because in the event of some kind of community spread or anything like that, we just want to be able to get in touch with everyone. So you must register on uh, time there. Now, today's Vision Sunday, and I want to talk about uh, for the next maybe 20 minutes, uh, this message, I'm titling it, Becoming Who You Already Are. Becoming Who You Already Are. Or Becoming Who We Already Are. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse uh, number 1 and verse 2. And we'll even go to verse 3. But this is Paul's word to us as we gather together on this Vision Sunday. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and to our brother Sosthenes. I always have trouble pronouncing Sosthenes. Okay. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on verse 2 there. It says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Sanctified. And called to be his holy people. I want to talk about becoming who you already are. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we open ourselves up to you and your word at this moment. Speak to us through the power of your spirit. Meet us in this room. Meet us in whatever room we're gathering in online. And uh, may we become the people that you've called us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, holiness. This is the word that Paul talks about in the very beginning of this letter to this church at Corinth. Holiness. Sanctified 
and called to be holy. Now, many of us, when we think about the word holy or holy people, there are particular images that come to mind. Many of us probably think of people like Billy Graham or Desmond Tutu or Saint, uh, 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 what's her name here? Teresa, I'm thinking Maria, but it's not. See, this is what I say. I'm thinking of Mother Teresa, okay? But it's Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Oh, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for that one there. Pope Francis, when we think about holy people, let's get it together here. We think about people like on this screen right here. And yes, these people are holy. Yes, these people have lived incredibly holy lives. But these are not the only people who qualify as being holy. The strange thing about the Bible is that God has a way of calling people things that their lives seem to contradict. And so it's fascinating that in the Old Testament, when God calls Gideon, he calls him mighty warrior. And while he calls him mighty warrior, Gideon is hiding for his life. And God sees him hiding for his life and says, you are a mighty warrior. God has a way of calling us things that our lives seem to contradict. When, God, when Jesus calls Peter and gives him a new name, he says, Peter, your name is Peter. You are the rock. And what's funny about that is if there's anyone who lived a very shaky life, it was Peter. If there is anyone who was unstable, it was Peter. And yet Jesus calls him the rock. He has a way of calling us things that our lives seem to contradict. Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, he begins by calling them saints, begins by calling them sanctified. And the funny thing, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians is this, if you read them, Paul calls them saints, but when, they, when you look at their lives, it looked like they were ain'ts, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? Paul says, you're a saint, but they live like an ain't. And God has a way of calling us things that our lives seem to contradict. And we see it no clearer here than in the book of 1 Corinthians. Because the, first, the book of 1 Corinthians shows us a church that had many problems. Lots of immaturity. They were divided along so many lines. They were divided when it came to leaders that they followed. They were divided when it came to having communion. They fought when it was communion time. Could you imagine? Uh, we're about to have communion and fights are, and arguments are breaking out. This is the church at Corinth. They had problems with their sexuality. They had problems with gifts and the lack of maturity. They had a problem with love. And Paul knows this at the very beginning and still calls them sanctified, still calls them saints. Because the true reality is we are sanctified based not on what we've done, we're sanctified based on what Christ has done. Amen. We are set apart not because we've been good, we're set apart because God's been good in Christ. Amen. We are new people not because we have tried some new things and changed our habits. We are a new people because what God has done for us in Christ on the cross. Amen. And so we are sanctified and we are called to become that. And so Paul says you are sanctified and you are called to be God's holy people. In other words, you are to become who you already are. And this is a good way of seeing holiness. He wants them to become something different than what the world offers. Something different that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. That is holiness. Now, holiness is often a word that we have trouble with. 
And we tend to see holiness as uh, uh, that which we separate ourselves from. Holiness is about separating yourself from something. And while that is true, that's an incomplete picture. Because holiness is not about simply what you separate yourself from, but what you give yourself to. That's holiness. And this is what Vision Sunday is about. What are we called to give ourselves to so that we can be a holy people, a different people? And one thing is for sure, it's this. The world needs different people. And the world is longing for a different kind of community that can show us what it means to live a life of love. A life of justice, a life of mercy, a life of forgiveness. The world is longing for a model, an example of what a human community can be. And so we talk about Vision Sunday because this is God's call for us to be a different kind of community. A community marked by profound transformation. This is why at New Life, for those of you who are new watching online, or we need to be reminded, the iceberg is the logo of our church. And the reason the iceberg is the logo of our church is because what we see on the surface is not simply what God wants to transform. God wants to transform what's beneath the surface as well. It's often the case that when people become Christians, they focus almost exclusively on the exterior. And so we say, I don't curse like I used to, amen. I don't go to the same places I used to go to. I don't smoke what I used to do, smoke. I don't drink what I used to drink. I'm feeling pretty good about my life. And while that may be a good start, that's not necessarily transformation. Because you can stop smoking, amen, and still not be transformed. Ah, amen. You can stop drinking and still have lots of problems that God wants to work through you. God wants to transform you deep beneath the surface where our idols reside, where our deepest anxiety resides, where our deepest fears reside. This is where God wants to transform us. And God longs to transform us so that we would be a gift to the world. And so when we talk about Vision Sunday, we're talking about what is the particular way that God has called us to be holy, to be set apart in this world. And every fall, I bring us back to our five values. And I'm going to talk about our five values, and at the last value, we're going to end with a beautiful video that encapsulates one of these values. But what does it mean to be God's holy people in Queens? What does it mean to live this out in our particular context at New Life Fellowship Church? I want to talk about five particular values. And we say, I say this because every church, every congregation has a unique Holy Spirit expression to them. Which is why we should never compare churches one for, to another. We have a unique Holy Spirit. The word is grace, charism, that we're trying to express. And different churches in Brooklyn and different churches in uh, Nebraska or China, they have different expressions. Same Lord, various expressions. This is the particular grace that God has entrusted us with for three decades. The first value that I talk about is this value that God has called us to be a multiracial community, bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. And boy, does the world need an example of people who are very different learning how to live in harmony with one another. Look no uh, further than the, uh, the news reports that we see. Look no uh, further than the, uh, the challenges that we find in our families. 
The world is looking for a community who can demonstrate what harmony looks like between people who don't look like each other and don't vote like each other and don't think like each other. And this is what God has entrusted us with in this unique place in Queens, New York City. We are in an area where the, we are an international immigrant, multiracial, multiethnic, multi-class community. And God has put us here to demonstrate what could happen when the power of the Holy Spirit grabs a community and fills us to be an example to the world around us. And so listen, God has entrusted us to live this value out. To show that the gospel is not just something that gets us to heaven. The gospel is a sledgehammer that tears down walls that separate us. And we need that desperately in this moment in time. And God has uniquely positioned us to do it. We have 75 nations represented in our church. 123 languages spoken at the nearby Elmhurst Hospital. To take out $20 at the local ATM, there's 15 to 20 options. Have you been to Chase Bank before? It's very disconcerting, very disorienting. I pressed the wrong button. I, I took out $40. I meant to take out 20. I said, I didn't mean to take out 40. I took out 20 because it's so complicated. We are in a, in a, in a city, in a church that is incredibly diverse. And the blessing of our diversity is we get to see the image of God reflected in people who look nothing like us. We get to taste good food as well. <laughs> we get to see various aspects of scripture from different uh, perspectives. These are all gifts at the same time. To be a community this diverse means there's gonna be disagreements. There's gonna be troubles. In our congregation, we have uh, Black Lives Matter activists and we have Blue Lives Matter congregants. We have pro-Trump and never-Trump people who are often sitting next to each other, unbeknownst to each other. Because if they knew who they were sitting next to, they'd probably go to the balcony. We have people in our congregation who are very different and we're trying to figure this out. And as I say from time to time, I love our diversity, but our diversity really gets to me whenever the Olympics comes around, whenever the World Cup comes around, there's a lot of drama in our church. And yet God has called us to be something different, to show the world was possible, bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. This is why at New Life, we are committed to the gospel, a big gospel. A big gospel that says the gospel is good news for a world that needs to be renewed across the board. Not just for our own spirituality and our own souls, but for the systems that we find ourselves in as well. The gospel is big, good news, and Christ wants to renew all things. This is what it means to be a multiracial community. That we tear down walls of racial injustice. That we become concerned for those who are on the margins, like immigrants, like the unborn, like those who are impoverished. That, the, that This is why we empower women in our community. This is why we tear down walls in the name of Jesus. We are called to bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. This is why we exist as a congregation. But in order to live this value out, it requires us to dive into this next value. That we are called to be an emotionally healthy community. An emotionally healthy community. Loving ourselves and others well. And boy, do we need this value. And the world needs this value because the world has a hard time loving. And many of us live as strangers to ourselves, not looking within to see the ways that God wants to form us on the inside. 
When I talk about emotional health, I'm talking about three things in particular. I'm talking about integrity, I'm talking about uh, uh, integration, and I'm talking about interiority. This is what I mean by that. When I talk about integrity, I'm saying to live emotionally healthy lives is to have congruence. What's happening on the inside is consistent with what's happening on the outside. That's called integrity, wholeness. But it's also about integration. Emotional health is about our ability to integrate and wrestle with the complexity of what it means to be human. It's often the case that in church circles, many people don't know how to deal with certain parts of their lives. Anger, sadness, fear. Some of the more difficult emotions of our lives, we don't know how to process. And as a result, in the church, it's often about suppressing those negative feelings in the name of faith. And so faith is seen up here, feelings are seen down here. But what would it look like to hold all those things together, integrating them together? And so emotional health is about integrity, it's about integration, but ultimately it's about loving well. Loving well. We, are, we don't just grow in emotional health to be more self-aware. We grow so that we can love well. And so when we talk about uh, emotional health, we're talking about some of these things. We pay attention to our feelings and our emotional life. This is what it means to be part of this community. We pay attention to the ways of our family of origin, the ways our family of origin has shaped us. We pay attention to our reactions and the messages that form our lives. We pay attention to the trauma that's been handed down to us. Every single one of us in this room and watching online, there is some trauma you have experienced. Some deep-seated pain in your soul that's often unresolved. And trauma is manifested in at least two ways. Trauma is manifested by receiving what I should not have received or not receiving what I should have received. There's some of us in this room, some of us watching online, you've experienced trauma. Certain things happen to you that should not have happened and you carry the scars of it. And then for others, there were certain things that should have happened like nurture and love and attunement and connection, and it didn't happen. To be an emotional health community means we pay attention to the trauma and open ourselves up to God's healing. We pay attention to our limits and cultivate self-care. This is what it means to be fully human. Last week, we talked about grief. And I got some emails saying, wow, this is the first time I've been in a church that actually gave me space to grieve. How could this be? We're called to be human beings. Integration, integrity, loving well. That's emotional health. But it's beyond that where our lives and our emotional health is to be fleshed out into our relationships, in particular, the ways that we live in the world through our sexuality. And so the next value is that we are called to be married to Christ. And by married to Christ, I'm talking about a few things. I'm talking about the ways that our spirituality connects with our sexuality. And it's often the case that in churches, we have a hard time making this connection. In many churches, we don't even talk about our sexuality because we have so repressed and suppressed any notion of our sexuality. But to be a Christian means we have to combine our spirituality with our sexuality in whole ways, healing ways. It also means that to be married to Christ has words for our marriages. I know for a fact that in this pandemic, lots of marriages have been suffering. For a number of reasons people are not used to being around each other this much number one 
And because we are not used to being around each other this much, and we haven't had the tools to navigate being in this space, lots of marriages are in trouble. On a regular basis in the last six months, I've been aware of challenging situations and marriages in our own community. And this grieves my heart. And to be a community at New Life means that we want to shape marriages to reflect something of the kingdom of God, to show the love that Christ has for his church. That if you are a Christian and you're married, your marriage is not just for you. Your marriage is for the world around you. I heard Jerry Scazzaro say one time, we, you just didn't get married in the church, you got married for the church. That your very marriage is to be a gift to others. And so we're talking about spirituality and sexuality. We're talking about our marriages and how we want to be formed. And listen, if your marriage is struggling right now, we want to serve you. We want to help you. And our pastors are here to serve you along those lines. But we're also talking about our singleness as well. And some churches, married folks are up here and single people are down here. And other churches, single people are up here and married people are down here. But we all have something to offer. And to be single in our community is more, uh, it, it's about offering ourselves in marriage to Christ and showing what's possible in our singleness. And uh, it's often the case when I grew up, I would hear messages about singleness. And basically it was like, don't do anything crazy. If you, wait on God. That's all we got for you here. This is like, all right, th that, that's the singleness theology we got. Don't do anything crazy and wait on God. There's got to be more than that. And so at New Life, we talk about singleness, what it means that Jesus was single and was fully human, the most human you're ever going to find. Paul single, that there's no badge, there's no status that we have, a hierarchy. We all have something to offer, marriage to Christ. Our fourth value out of that is this missional value. And as you're hearing these values, I wonder, how is God speaking to you right now? I wonder, what are the areas that you're thinking, I need to pay attention to this multiracial thing here. I need to pay attention to this emotionally healthy value thing here. I need to pay attention to this marriage to Christ. Or maybe it's this missional piece. That we are called to offer ourselves as a gift to the world. If you're new to our congregation, we have a community development corporation. And in this uh, organization, we have uh, eight to ten programs that serves our local community. And whether it be through a health center or a food and clothing pantry, whether it be through ES, teaching ESL, after school programming and such, we are called to be on mission. And the world needs people to be on mission, showing them the healing ways of Jesus Christ. But the way we are on mission at New Life is distinct in this way. There's a guy named Robert Mulholland. I remember him coming to our church a number of years ago before he passed away. And he said, when we talk about mission, there's two ways of being on mission. You can either be in the world for God, or you can be in God for the world. And there's a difference. You can be in the world for God or in God for the world. To be, you can be in the world for God without God. And this is what we see in our culture. We have particular banners that we raise, particular issues that we say. And of course, God is most concerned about what I'm concerned about. <laughs> and we use that banner then to divide. But you have, 
you're not called to be in the world for God. We're called to be in God for the world. That our lives are so saturated with God that we offer ourselves. What are we giving people? We're giving people God. The love of God, the grace of God. We are called to be a missional community offering ourselves to the world. And so if you're here, if you're watching online, we are called to be on mission. Offering the good news to people in evangelistic ways. Serving the poor. Working against injustice. We are called to be on mission. But how is all this wrapped up? How do we hold these things together? How can we be a community that truly reflects this multiracial value, this emotionally healthy value, this marriage to Christ value, this missional value? It's in this last value that it's typically first, but for our purposes today, it's last. Our fifth value is this monastic value that we slow down to be with God. That our lives are meant for rhythms of prayer and being with God. And allowing ourselves to be transformed by this God. And offering ourselves as a gift to the world. There's much I could say about this. But I'd rather show you something. Show you a video of a new lifer who's been wrestling with this monastic value. And what it means for her witness as a follower of Jesus in this world. And so uh, let's roll this uh, video by one of our new lifers named Nellie. My name is Nellie. I grew up in a family who believed in Islam. My father made a point that we pray five times a day according to the Islamic culture. I was questioning whether God is a God that really loves and I just was curious about the Christian faith and I started to learn more about Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus when I was 19. So at the time I was living with my parents, going to college. They didn't believe that they could have a Christian person in their home. And so I was basically um, forced to leave my home. The feeling of not having family, that sense of knowing that you belong somewhere, that I think what broke me. And I think I was dependent on my friends and the community to fill that void for me. And I realized that it was becoming unhealthy and it was unfair of me to do that. And that's when I, I realized I needed to fill that void by God. And only God can fill that void for me. I first learned about the contemplative and monastic traditions when New Life started talking about the daily office. I was curious of how the monastics could leave their family and be with God. And so I was curious on what that is like. Some of the practices learning in the contemplative life was centering prayer. You're silent before God. Um, and I would do it for five to 10 minutes. I would just rest in his presence and allow him to love me. And just see that God is everywhere and he is gazing on me where whatever I'm doing. Like I can be more present after practicing silence and solitude with my family. These tasks that I do, being a mom can often feel unappreciated, but God gives me these things to do as a gift to serve my family. He is good in giving me these things. I have 
two girls and they can be loud and God has shown me that I can be with him while I am with them, while I am cooking dinner, while I'm helping them with their homework, that I that he is still gazing on me and enjoying our presence together. Jesus is approachable. He wants me to come to him. He wants me to invite him into my daily life. Whenever that void creeps up, whenever I feel that I am alone, I can stop and be with him and know that he has filled that void. He is not a God that wants to fill me with shame, but he's a God that wants to fill me with love. Amen. How wonderful is that? Amen. Let me end with this story. There's a story told by Thomas Merton, who was a 20th century writer and monk. And uh, he wrote a book that became an instant bestseller called The Seven Story Mountain, which depicted his journey into becoming a monk. In one of the chapters, he writes about an encounter he had with a mysterious Hindu man named Brahmakari. In the course of their conversation, Brahmakari started talking about the good work that Christians were doing in India. And he said, I'm grateful for the building projects that Christians have been doing here. I'm grateful for all the social projects that have helped us here. But then this Hindu man asked a question. He said, do you have any saints to send us? I'm grateful for the projects you're doing. But do you have any holy people that you can send us? When I read about that, I thought, of course, the programs and the buildings and everything are so critically important. But what is the world longing for? Holy people. What is the world longing for? People who can show us God. What is the world longing for? People who can show us what the divine looks like in love, mercy, justice, compassion. And that's the invitation that God has called us to at New Life Fellowship Church. Let's pray together. Lord, what a gift it is to be in your presence and enjoy each other's presence in this room and online. You've called us to be sanctified. You've already sanctified us in Christ. Now you've called us to be holy. Lord, for those who in this room are struggling today because of the anxiety of the world, the pain of the world, give us grace, mercy, power. And may we be a different kind of people, Lord. May these values be fleshed out in our lives to see the world move towards wholeness and healing. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close our service here. It's Vision Sunday, and some of you might be thinking, what's the next step here? Uh, on our website and on Facebook Live and uh, all of that there, uh, there's some next step cards, and uh, Red had mentioned that on the video. 
If you're wondering what's the next step, for me, my hope is that you would connect in community. It was delightful to have our newcomers lunch this past, uh, newcomers gathering this past week and meeting people who have been coming to New Life who's never been in this room, uh, who started coming to New Life during the pandemic and they're finding community, even if it's online. And I imagine some of you are watching right now. I'd love for you to uh, move towards being connected in relationship. We have wonderful courses and classes that we offer. And of course, plenty of opportunities uh, to use your gifts to serve others as well. And so feel free to uh, sign up for that and, um, and let our pastoral staff guide you in terms of the next steps there. We have our uh, virtual lobby and our pastoral um, uh, prayer team and such. And so for those of you watching online, if you need someone to pray with or connect with, feel free to go there. And for those of you watching online or maybe in this room here, we always give an invitation to those who want to follow Christ. Um, Jesus Christ is not an accessory to life. Jesus Christ is our life. And some of you are living without life. And he can be your life. He wants to fill you with his love. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to give you newness of life. And some of you have been trying on your own strength to make your life new. And it's not working out. And you know it. And God knows it. But today, you can very simply surrender yourself to, to the Lord and say, Lord, live in me. I want to follow you. Forgive me. Give me a new life. And if you made a decision for Christ or if that's bubbling in your soul, uh, feel free to text uh, yes to Jesus and one of our pastors will follow up with you. We'd be happy to do that. But if you sense God speaking to you today uh, in this room or online, uh, feel free to respond. We would love to serve you along those lines. Uh, as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And uh, it's a delight to see you all in this room, um, to, to see your smiles. I know when you're smiling, for the most part, uh, to see your smiles and to just be with you. What a gift. And for those of you online, uh, we'll be doing this again next week, and the week after, and the week after, and then we'll see where we go from there. But it would be a joy to see, um, see you all in person as well. But let me bless you. If you're watching online, just extend your hand as a sign of receiving and let me bless you with these words. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this room in this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, being holy people, becoming who God said you already are. And may you be an expression of the beautiful holiness of God in a world that's marked by anxiety, division, violence. May we be the holy people that this world is longing for. I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen. Grace and peace to you watching online. Pastor Jack is going to come up right now and just give us some instructions. So have a seat. Those of you in this room, I'll see you next week.